It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and of course, it's Wednesday, which means we have uh, armchair politics coming up in uh, just a um, a little bit. We have uh, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining our roundtable regulars, who are, of course... Uh, our, our uh, panel of political pundits includes uh, longtime uh, Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right and Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left. And each and every Wednesday for the second and third hour of our three-hour tour, we spend two hours uh, providing commentary and analysis on uh local, state, and national headlines in the worlds of uh, politics and current events. In fact, we have a couple of things. Um, I've shared this many times on the air, but Paul Rosicki, um, retired political science professor and a regular uh, on the show, uh, sends me uh, an email every Tuesday, um, the day before we do armchair politics, with a few bullet points on things that he's noticed in the news that he thinks we might want to weigh in on and, and riff about. And then he always puts at the end of the email, and whatever else happens in the next 24 hours. And quite often we end up talking about, um, there were a couple of things on his list and a couple of things on my list. They're not always the same list. Sometimes I'll get a list from Paul that's very different than the things that I've picked out to talk about, and I'll you know, try and, it's it's almost like a, a little bit like a, a congressional uh, conference to reconcile two bills, one from the Senate and one from the House, trying to figure out how we're going to settle on what we're going to talk about. But it's, um, the, uh, the thing is, uh, sometimes we'll have lists that are very, very similar. We'll see the same same things, the same headlines, and think, you know, that would be great to talk about. Well, two of the items, uh, one local and, and one uh, um, national and, and one international, actually, when I come and think about it, um, there have been updates in the last 24 hours. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that. One of those has to do with uh, the Flint City Council agreeing to let the uh, Flint Children's Museum buy the Flint, the former Flint Farmer's Market building and property, 
which is sitting right next to a proposed site for a marijuana dispensary and there's a lot of controversy about that so we'll be we'll be talking about that but it was just this uh, in the last 24 or 48 hours that the council gave the go-ahead to the children's museum to pursue that that uh, property uh, the site of the the former Flint farmers market um, and the um, the other thing that course is is volatile that we'll be talking about is the um, situation in Ukraine and and we'll be talking about that to be sure um, just want to see if there's anything else that has changed dramatically in the last 24 hours but anyway that'll be coming up in uh, about an hour or so in the meantime uh, we have an encore, uh, an interview that I found uh, completely fascinating. A uh, journalist and author, Claudia Clark, wrote a book about uh, Angela Merkel called Dear Barack. Now you might want to know why a book about Angela Merkel is called Dear Barack, but it really focuses on the partnership between Barack Obama and former uh, German President uh, Angela Merkel, who just stepped down at at the end of uh, last year, and and um, there's a uh, new president, new sheriff in town, if you will, um, but it's still uh, fairly topical and a, a very interesting conversation, and it was on a list of things. It it came up for me because next Monday I'm doing a uh, a special show that I put together with encores um, for President's Day. They're all interviews that have something to do with presidents or the presidency. And I went through the archives and I found so many to pick from that it was tough to, to settle on just three, but, but I did. And that's next Monday for uh, President's Day. So if you're a person who likes to you know, really go wild for President's Day. Be sure and tune in, because uh, I'll be right there with you. Um, anyway, coming up in about a, a minute or so, we'll uh, turn to Angela Merkel and um, her uh, partnership with Barack Obama. As described in the pages of uh, a new book by Claudia Clark, called um, Dear Barack. That'll be coming up in just a moment or so. And uh, let's see, anything else I want to share in this uh, final 30 seconds or so? Um, no, not really. I guess maybe... I guess we'll just uh, move on. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. 
And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, uh, this uh, this Sunday, for the first time in uh, 16 years, Germany will be picking a new chancellor. And uh, it's, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but we'll find out from my guest this hour, who is a uh, get-out-the-vote activist and author of a new book set to release October 19th, called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. And uh, her name is Claudia Clark. She joins me by phone. Hi, Claudia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, Did you know that uh, Germany was going to be changing chancellors when you started this book? I did not know that they were going to be changing chancellors when I started the book, uh, but we did know. I I had initially hoped to have it released by uh, the 2020 presidential election, but because of COVID, everything kind of got delayed. So publication was, we knew that Merkel was leaving office, so we decided to release it to coincide when she left office. Oh, interesting. Um, The timing is is pretty good on this. Um, And there's, as I mentioned uh, when I was introducing you, the book is set to release October 19th. Um, It's, but there's already a lot of interest in this book. How much of the book is about the relationship between Barack Obama and Angela Merkel and how much of it is about Angela Merkel and what might shape her legacy? Um, I would say it's probably about 50-50. My book, the book has two theses. One is the personal relationship between Obama and Merkel. And then the second thesis is the overall theme on how important it is in today's globalized world with climate change, with you know the Iran nuclear deal, um, with uh, Russia, with the rise of the alt-right going on, coming across in Europe, that a lot of what I talk about will be what Merkel's predecessor will have to, what she will, what that person will have to take on. And, you know, these issues are not going to go away. And so it would be up to the next person who replaces Merkel to carry on. And, and how that happens just depends upon who the Germans decide who will replace her. Do you have any, um, any insights into why Angela Merkel decided not to run again? Is she... Um, lost power in any way or popularity or um, was it you just know, that's a long it's, it's a little of both um i i really really firmly believe that in you know in 2015 she lost her her decision to open the german borders to the syrian refugees created it created criticism and it created on the other hand there were people that thought she was a, a champion and a pioneer for doing that, but she did lose a lot of popularity initially because of that. And in 2016, she had not yet announced, right after the presidential election in the United States, she had not announced whether she had planned on running for another term.
term. And there are, and my take was she was tired and she was burned out and just, in, you know, she had had enough. How long but are the President terms? Obama, I'm sorry? How long are the terms? Uh, four years. Okay. Just like they are in the States. And I had my suspicions that she, she really didn't want to run for another term. But because of what had happened in, with Brexit had happened and then with the election in 2016 when Trump won, I think she, find a, she kind of felt compelled that the world needed, whether you like her or you don't, she's stable and she provided stability. And I think she felt that that's what the world needed at the time. And so she, she stayed, and she was, you know, people, she was losing popularity in, in, in Germany, not just because of the Syrian crisis, but also it was just, she'd been in power for, for at that point, for uh, 12 years. And, you know, people were kind of like, okay, it's time for a change. And so I think she, she recognized that. And then COVID hit. And because of how she handled the COVID crisis, her popularity just went through the roof because she handled it so professionally and so scientifically that, you know, she's leaving as she leaves now. Her, her polling numbers are 70 or 80%. Wow. And it's kind of interesting because on one hand, the Germans love, at this point, you know, the Germans like her and, and I hear constantly that they don't, they're not sure what Germany would have done had, had it been anyone else during COVID. But on the other hand, they also realize it has now been 16 years. You know, some, some of my friends have children who America's the only, pers- only chancellor they've ever known. And so they know it's time. And, and you know, that's kind of where I am. Is I, it's, it's heartbreaking to see her go. But, I mean, she's, she's 65 years old. She's done this for 16 years. I, I, you know, I think she deserves some time to herself. Is that how she'll spend the time, do you think, Claudia? Or, or will she be active in a post-chancellor period? You know, it, it's interesting because people ask her what she plans on doing. And she dodges the question very, very, very well. There's, <laughs> there's, some, speculation, there's some speculation that she will you know, go to Brussels and take a role with the EU. But, I, but a lot of the, the speculation is she has 18 um, honorary degrees from different universities all over the world. And there's, you know, she, she comes from a scientific background, and she has a Ph.D. in physics. And before she entered public life, she worked as a scientist. So there's a lot of speculation that she's going to return to academia. And I just read an article a couple while I was preparing for this interview, and she said that she's going to take some time, you know, she's going to just evaluate what she wants to do. She's going to read, she's going to sleep, and she's going to rest, and then she's going to think about it. So she's not, and she's not giving any straight answers. And when she had her last press conference with the German media a couple months ago, they asked her, and her response was, I'm sure I'll find something to keep myself busy. So your guess is as good as mine. She's not telling. More about outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel with author Claudia Clark. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel with author Claudia Clark, straight ahead. You know, I remember seeing um, uh, at least one, maybe more, press conferences with um, uh, Angela Merkel and Donald Trump, and it always seemed kind of awkward. Was it was it as awkward behind the scenes as it appeared to be from the cheap seats? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's. If anything, I think they put on a show in front of the media <laughs> compared to how things were. Um, well, you know, one of the biggest points of contention between um, uh, Trump and Merkel was NATO, and um, NATO. You know, you, the Trump didn't think that the other European countries, the other NATO allies, were paying their fair share of their defense for NATO, and which is it's not. He wasn't wrong, and even Obama was frustrated that other European countries weren't paying their quote-unquote fair share. But how they handled the, the situation was two totally different scenarios. There are rumors that behind the scenes in the first um, meeting in the Oval Office when Merkel visited Trump the first time that um, Trump had given Merkel a bill for uh, I forget how many billion euros it was, and he said this is, this is Germany's bill for, for its NATO defense. And Merkel reportedly just kind of ignored it. So, so there were definitely differences of opinion. And, um, and one, of the, one of the things I think is that, you know, Trump just didn't know how to, how to handle Merkel, and Merkel was able to kind of keep him in his place, and he just didn't, he wasn't sure how to handle that. So there were, there were definitely differences between the two of them. Now, obviously, the book is called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Um, how, what was it that created the bond between Barack Obama and Angela Merkel, and does that same connection exist with Joe Biden? Uh, there, there were many factors uh, between Obama and Merkel, and it didn't happen. And I argue this in the book. Their their bond didn't happen overnight. In fact, they got off to a, a rather difficult start, um, and Obama gradually earned um, Merkel's trust over the years. But I think one of the things, there are a couple of things that really, on Obama's side, uh, that turned, that helped Merkel, turn Merkel around. Number one is that Merkel was used to men, Putin, Cameron, you know, other, other men not in, of the old boys circle kind of thing, who didn't take her seriously. And here comes President Obama who really, really respected her. Instead of being frightened or um, concerned about a woman, a bright, strong woman, Obama encouraged it. And so I think to a certain extent, that was a breath of fresh air for America, that for the first time there was a president or a world leader who actually respected her. 
So I think that was something, there's something in there with regard to that. And then the other thing with regard to Obama is that he said time and time and time again that he really, really admired how Miracle came from, you know, she's the only German chancellor from the former East Germany, and he really admired how she was able to, you know, I hate to use the, the term pull yourself up from your bootstraps because that's often used in economic situations, and Merkel was not, you know, she came from a, a fairly privileged middle-class family, but it was still that kind of scenario where she, um, you know, she came from a very dictatorship country where, you know, everything she did was monitored and how she managed to, to um, come from behind the, the Iron Curtain to become the, a free chance, uh, the chancellor of a free and united Germany. Obama respected the tenacity that it took for someone to be able to do that. And so it was a sheer amount of respect. And on the other side of the coin, initially Merkel did not, she was very, very reluctant to trust Obama because she thought, you know, he's a very, very gifted speaker. Whether you agree with him on anything or not, you know, he does have this aura about him. And she was very, very skeptical of that. And she thought initially he was all talk. And she didn't, she's like, yeah, he can talk, but can he actually do anything? And when he started showing that there, there were actions behind his words, she gradually saw that she could trust him and that, that he would, to the extent that he could, he would do as he promised. And then the other thing, more, more importantly, not so much with them individually, but on the, on the world stage, is that the United States has a history of kind of expecting that, you know, it's the most powerful nation in the world and it expects everybody to come catering to them. And when, they, when we say jump, everyone else says how high. And Obama didn't do that. He didn't insist on, on a lot of demands. And when he talked to uh, Merkel and the other allies, he, he listened as much as talked. He didn't insist on a lot of, he didn't make a lot of demands, and he, he listened to what they said and then negotiated. And I think that Merkel really respected that. Does Biden enjoy any kind of uh, Obama carryover with regard to Angela Merkel? You know, I, that's an interesting question and one that I, I kind of, you know, I, I did try and research a little bit. And I do know from what I could gather that the, the um, Obama, or I'm sorry, Biden and Merkel had a fair amount of respect for one another when she worked with him when he was vice president. You know, she came and she, there are many, many photos of them when Merkel came before um, Washington to speak before Congress, and you could see them joking and jovial, and you could see that they had at least a friendly relationship with one another. Now, with respect to what's happening now, I think it's a little different because, you know, circumstances are different. It took, well, she did work with Biden when he was vice president. Um, it, it still wasn't the same capacity. Now um, Biden has the task of undoing four years of um, damage that Trump did to the, the relationship with the allied leaders across Europe. So Biden kind of has to deal with that. And there, there's speculation that no matter who is president 
some of the damage Trump did, unfortunately, is not going to be able to be undone. And then there's the fact that Merkel is actually leaving office, <coughs> excuse me, so soon, you know, nine months after uh, Biden took office, they don't have, Biden and, and Merkel don't have the, the tenure together that Obama and Merkel had. You know, Merkel and Obama worked together for eight years. So, so there, I think that is a challenge in of itself, that they just, now, if Merkel were going to be around for another four, you know, two or three years, we might be having a different conversation. Angela Merkel was the um, youngest person to become chancellor and also the first female. Has either of those things impacted uh, Germany in, in, in terms of, of, I don't know, perhaps opening doors for women or, or younger people in leadership roles? Um, to a certain extent, I was just um, I was just researching this the other day. Uh, Merkel, um, she a lot of the a lot of the women, a lot of the, the feminists didn't like Merkel because she, up until very very recently, she refused to call herself she, a feminist. She she stayed away from the word, and so there were people that were upset with her about it, but. I, I was looking at what her record was for for women in across uh, Germany during her tenure, and there have been some significant advances in, in women. You know, they now require that businesses have a quota that a certain amount of women must be on the board of directors. They've increased funding for um, kinder care, so um, preschools for children under the age of three. Uh, she, you know, she is... Uh, pro-choice. Um, she has one of the things that she has. She and Obama worked on together. We're trying to establish programs for girls, for young girls, to enter the workforce. So she has she has done a lot. Could she have done more? Absolutely. You know, there there are a lot of people that don't like her because she voted. Uh, she doesn't believe in same-sex marriage, and that's that's a long story on where. Excuse me, and how that came about. But overall, I <laughs> the status of women in Germany has improved higher under her tenure than even in the rest of Europe. So she has d- done a lot for for women and, and young girls. Now you you suggest that the uh, next chancellor will have some very big shoes to fill, and it sounds like you're you're hinting that they won't necessarily be high heels. You know, I I am completely <laughs> I, I I have my suspicions uh, just because I because of the three candidates that are in the running and the one two of the three are men and the one woman that is running is running in the Green Party and she is behind and in, in all the, significantly behind in all the polls. So I I, I could be wrong, but I, I seriously I would be really surprised if. It were if they were to elect another woman. How has Angela Merkel's um, 
handling of some of the big crises, whether it was, you know, Brexit or now COVID-19 and, and, and several things in between, the, the opening of the borders uh, to Syrian refugees, all of the things that she has had to grapple with, has she in any way smoothed the path for the next chancellor? I think so. Uh, whether one of the things about Merkel's tenure is that she's had some, she's had to deal with some of the biggest crises of the 21st century. You know, she took we had to deal with she had to deal with the the Great Recession. She had then there was the you know Putin's illegal annexation of Crimea, then COVID, and then you know the Syrian refugees in the middle of all of that. So she she has had to tackle some of the most challenging issues. And whether you like her or whether you don't like her, she is stable. When when something comes up and something needs analysis, she will look at it and she will look at the pros and the cons and she will analyze, she will list she will she's willing to change her mind if she doesn't like something or doesn't agree with something. If you come to her with data saying that this needs to be done, she's willing to, to listen. You know, for example, when one of the, the big issues was the Eurozone and Greece, and Greece was in a lot of financial trouble. Right. And a lot and, of people were looking uh, to Germany to be the bailout for Greece. In Germany, yeah, and, and initially Merkel was kind of like, you know what, they can't pay their, they can't pay their responsibility, then I have no problem throwing them out of, I, she was le, kind of like that. But uh, French President Sarkozy at the time just said, look, look, Angela, you know, we, we have to show a little compassion here. And, and she did, she, she turned around and Germany ended up paying, like, I, I forget, it's like 310 billion euros to help Greece over a couple, over two or three times. It was just an insane amount of money. And, but, and even though she was initially opposed to it, she was, you know, she, her advisors talked to her, other world leaders talked to her and sat her down and said, look, this needs to be, we need to do this. And that, that was true with the Syrian crisis as well. You know, there's a, a, a heartbreaking story on social media. And if you're, if people are interested, just Google, Miracle Makes Immigrant Girl Cry. And there's a video where a girl in perfect German is telling, you know, she's a refugee from Lebanon, and she wants to, she's not, you know, her parents, I think, are in a refugee camp, and she's not sure she's going to be able to stay in Germany. And the girl is crying, and Miracle initially is like, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, politics is hard. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. And Miracle goes over, and she consoles the girl, and she gets a lot of bad publicity for that particular scene. And then, you know, a couple of years later, she opens up the doors with to the unprecedented number of Syrian refugees when she realizes what is going on. So she had a reputation of being hard-nosed, but you could, when, when facts dictated that policies needed to be changed, uh, she was willing to be flexible about it. And I think that I hope that is, um, shows some guidance for the next chancellor. You know, you've referred to her as stable uh, multiple times. 
and and yet uh, and yet flexible. Was was she predictable, or was her ability to change her mind? Did that make her maybe? Uh, uh, did that present some surprises? I think, for the most part, I think part of what got her in. To trouble the most with the Syrian refugee crisis was um, she was unpredictable at that point. Normally, she was very, very predictable. That she, when something came up, a policy or problem came up, she would she would put have her team together, have them gather all the data. They would get it to her, and she would spend eons, you know, like months and months sometimes making a decision to the point where it drove everyone crazy because it was just like make a decision. But the one time I think where she really, she, and so people learned to expect that from her. And the one time I think she really thought with her heart and not her head was with regard to the Syrian refugee crisis. For, for uh, you know, months and months the crisis was, it was becoming apparent that this was getting to be overwhelming. And she, she you know, there's a rumor that she saw a picture of, of a boy in Hungary that had been washed up on the, on the shore, and she saw that picture, and then all of a sudden she, that was what it took for her to say, okay, we can do this. We're, we're, we have not a moral obligation to help these people. And it was done pretty much spur of the moment, without any thought and without any planning. And I didn't live, I was still in the States at the time, but we were visiting. And it was, it was, uh, this was like September of 2015, and I'll admit it was chaos in Germany. The, the train stations were overfilled because uh, refugees were all over the place. They didn't know where to place them because they hadn't thought ahead of time. And I think that while Miracle was right, it was so unpre- it was so unlike her and unpredictable that people were just didn't know how to handle it. They weren't prepared for it. And so I think that more than the ultimate policy was what got her into trouble politically, and why AFD, which is the alt right group, why that why they started gaining momentum. How do you think? Um, she will be remembered. What will she be remembered for? Do you think going forward? I I think she will be remembered as the chancellor that uh, that got got the country through some of the most turbulent times. You know, she like like we mentioned earlier. You know, she began during the the Great Recession. She she helped get Europe. Out of, the, out of the Great Recession, she helped with, you know, she was one of the, the main people that helped keep Putin in line. She was the one that went from world leader to world leader to world leader and insisted on, on sanctions against Putin for annexing um, Crimea, even though that the, the economic sanctions against uh, Crimea or I'm sorry, against Russia, had a, a bad impact on, or a negative impact on Germany. She did so for the the humane component to it because Putin had um, violated the law. And then, of course, 
COVID, I think more than any other world leader, she handled the COVID crisis better than anyone. She, shortly after this, in March of 2020, when things started um, turning and looking pretty grim, she went on, on public television, which was the first time she had done so live in her entire chancellorship, and just said, look, I come from East Germany. I, I know what it's like to live under a dictatorship. I know what it's like not to be able to travel. But we have to, this, you know, these, these restraints, not being able to travel, not being, you know, everything closed, it's only temporary. And there, but we have to do this for the general well-being. And as a result, Germany had a better response to COVID than a lot of the other countries. And so I think she has had, when she rises in the pools, it is all, it's always been because of how she's handled the crisis. When things are going well, that's, you don't hear so much about her or from her, and she kind of dips in the pools a little bit. But when something happens where they need leadership, she's the one that can take the rein and, and, and can calm people. My, my guest is uh, Claudia Clark. She is the author of Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. And uh, it's set to release on October 19th of uh, 2021. Um, and and it's uh, interesting that we're talking about this now because uh, as of this Sunday, Germany will be picking a new chancellor for the first time in 16 years. Claudia, um, once the once the book comes out, what's what's next for Claudia? Well, my goal is I my husband and I recently moved from Bavaria to Berlin. And one of the reasons we moved to Berlin is because I wanted to be closer to the Bundestag, closer to the NGOs. So I'm hoping that I can um, find a job in the public sector and the political area of working with foreign affairs or domestic policies in the either in Germany or maybe even within the EU. That is my ultimate goal. Well, I just wondered if you had the bug, if you were maybe thinking about writing another book. I'm, I'm researching. I'm, I'm really interested in the rise of the, the alt-right, what's happening in Germany, and I've begun research for it. But I, I'm, I wrote this book because I have a passion about the, about the subject matter, not so much writing. And my, my real passion is policymaking and politics. And organizing, so I'm hoping that this will open some doors for me in that regard. But that isn't to say, at the right opportunity came along to write another book, I would at least consider it. Well, let me let me ask you this, Claudia, because I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It is Claudia Clark, author. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. It's uh, uh, very much appreciated, and the book sounds fascinating and is certainly timely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a good opportunity, and I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was uh, Claudia Clark, the author of a uh, new book set to come out October 19th, 2021. It's called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela 
miracle. And we'll have more of the time. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Whiplet Technology. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. 
friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a book written called Psychological Studies of Famous Americans, and it examines from a psychological viewpoint uh, Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Walt Whitman, people like this, and tries to explain in terms of psychology why these people acted the way they did, that they really did not act from... uh, from valor or anything else that there were deep psychological problems these people had and that's why they reacted the way they did. One person they skipped that I thought would be a great subject for analysis if they had analysis when he was around was uh, Ben Franklin. I think he... (laughs) I think this man is ripe for analysis. So this is uh, Ben's analyst and he's in a typical analyst's office. He has a, uh, a desk and a chair and a couch and an intercom. Yeah, uh, who, who, uh, who is it, Murray? Ben, ben Franklin. Um, can, I, uh, can I duck him, Murray? <laughs> he's, he's, he's standing right there in the office. He's, he's dripping all over the rugs. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Send him in, Mary. Uh, uh, Mary, how, how's he doing on his account? Uh, th- three months behind, huh? Yeah, he's, he's thrifty, all right, Mary. <laughs> all right, send him in. Send him in. Well, hi, hi there, Ben. How are you today? Good. Ben, you want to you want to lie down on the couch there? Uh, ben, you want to put some papers down on the couch so <laughs> don't uh, don't get the couch all wet. Well, I'd, I'd say from the looks of our clothes, we've been uh, flying the kite again in the rainstorm, right, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben, um, we copied on our dreams, did we? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have to. It's the same one. You're, you're walking down the street, and you, you find a half dollar, and your face is on it. That's, that's pretty sick, Ben, you know that? <laughs> Washington has the same dream, only he sees his face on paper. Huh? You want to you give George my number, uh, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben, let's, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this kite fixation thing. Um, the, uh, the lightning knocked you down again, uh, did it, Ben? 
You're, you're not surprised by that, though, are you? I mean, you, you expect it to knock you down, don't you? <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, you being a founding father and all, you know, it, uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in people to see a, you know, a grown man flying a kite, you know? <laughs> it's too bad it, it, it isn't something a little more private, you know, you could, you could do in the privacy of your own room, like uh, spinning a top, you know, <laughs> some, something like that. You have, ever thought of spinning a top, Ben? Would, wouldn't knock you down. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important to you, is it, Ben? The, mm-hmm. Okay, let, let me see if I have the picture now, Ben. Uh, you're flying your kite, all right, Ben? And you're letting out the string. Everything's the same as usual. There's, there's something different this time. You, you use strips of cloth for the tail. Red, white, and blue strips of cloth. <laughs> where'd, uh, where'd you get the red, white, and blue strips of cloth, Ben? From, from Betsy Ross. <laughs> she, she's got plenty of it. She, she's up to wearing it, Ben? <laughs> now, uh, Be- uh, Betsy gave you the cloth, did she, Ben? You, you took the cloth. A, a penny saved is a penny earned. Why, uh, uh, why didn't you ask uh, Betsy for the cloth, Ben? She thinks you're a sissy because you wear bows on your shoes. And, and she chased you down the street yelling, you're not thrifty, you're cheap. She, uh, she could have something there, Ben. <laughs> nothing, 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 Ben. Mm-hmm. Why, uh, why didn't you uh, pay Betsy uh, for, for the cloth, Ben? Keep what is dear to you if, if you would prosper. Mm-hmm. Ben, I, I think we can get a lot more done if, if you drop the little homilies after, after each, uh, <laughs> each statement. Ben, we don't seem to be getting anywhere with it, with a kite thing. Uh, let's switch to something else. How how are the inventions uh, coming along, Ben? You you got lucky this morning. You you don't have to wear your bifocals anymore. The the lightning fused your glasses to your eyeballs. <laughs> What, uh, what are you going to call them, Ben? Con- contact lenses. <laughs> ben, I, I, uh, I sure would like to be more optimistic about your condition, but um, <laughs> afraid I'm going to have to recommend a shock treatment, Ben. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do it because there are always uh, undesirable side effects. Well, what, what we do, Ben, is uh, we stick you inside the Liberty Bell and, uh, and we, <coughs> we uh, ring, ring it a couple times, you know. Well, uh, the problem is you, you, you quiver for about two or three years, you see. <laughs> ben, I'm afraid our time is almost up. We'll see you uh, next, next Thursday, then. Right. Goodbye, Ben. You, you get him, Mary? He ran ran out already, huh?
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Sometimes it hits you in the back of the head Hurts so bad, don't wanna get out of bed hmm. Hurts so bad, don't wanna get out of bed Sometimes it drops you right down to your knees Sometimes it drops you right down to your knees Down so low, it's got you begging to please Got you begging to be But when those days come to life It's gonna be alright Cause this day is yours and yours Oh. 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.